Hey, thanks again for making the time to uh, join in. My name is Jeff Fuller. J. Fuller Interviews is where you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. J. Fuller Interviews. And now as the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of J. Fuller Interviews on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. Uh, I certainly believe people's stories make our stories better. Just make the time to listen, learn, unlearn, and relearn so you can hear from someone else that... Uh, might be a benefit to you. One now with a great story is Ben DeCastro. Ben, how are you? Hey, Jay. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, I just want to get right to it. Behind me, there's a picture of you wearing a mask and yeah. serving with the Pawtucket Red Sox or the yes. Paw Sox. Uh, how did you first get engaged with the Paw Sox? So I was working with a, a regional furniture company called Cardi's Furniture and Mattresses. That's really one of the basis for my influencer ship if you want to call it uh here in rhode island i've been with them for a number of years and they had uh, we had done a sponsorship deal with cardi's furniture and mattresses for uh for the paw socks and just on a whim i was talking with uh, a mutual friend of ours mike tamboro uh and also mike michael gwynn and i said hey listen i don't know much about sports but I've always wanted to do the announcer thing. So if you ever had a night where it was just like a low crowd or somebody couldn't show up, then let me know. Because I actually grew up, uh, we lived until I was 10 years old, less than a mile from McCoy Stadium. So I, uh, you know, I went to, uh, you know, McCoy as a child, you know, with family, with my uncles, my, my dad, my grandfather, that was, that was our thing. So for me, it was a lifelong kind of exciting thing and i got the call one day uh very last minute they said hey can you be at the stadium in 30 minutes because we need you to do we need somebody to do a game somebody called out i drove like you wouldn't believe to get there and so that was back in 2012 and you know i filled in a couple times that year and the following year and then they had some changes with the ownership they had some changes just overall and uh there was an opening and they said hey we, we'd love you to do it so it worked out well um i had since uh switched up how i was working with cardias was no longer full uh, full time employed i was more of a uh like i am now where i, I do work with them as a still as a, as a as a vendor but it's it's fun but it gives me opportunity to do other to do other things so uh you certainly have the voice for it and you said that you always wanted to be kind of that announcer guy when did you realize that you enjoyed having that voice but using it for that type of purpose I mean, I've, so I've always, um, done performing. So I, I mean, you, you go way back. I played, uh, I started playing accordion when I was like five years old, uh, and then, uh, you know, started playing music and, you know, you get into these different things and I kind of grew into my voice. My grandfather was always, you know, encouraging me to do things and, uh, I enjoyed public speaking and entertaining. It's fun. So, uh, the, the voice, I mean, you really can't choose your voice you can't you there's certain things you can do to improve uh various elements of it but you, the tenor is the tenor you know so uh just went with that and you know there's things you can do to kind of push yourself but i i really had fun that first time doing it and uh you know getting the crowd going getting the crowd amped as as much as i could as as the announcer in between innings and calling up batters but uh that's that's kind of yeah i i don't know if i answered the question the right way there but you know it's uh, you're you're a hard interview you can certainly uh, press <laughs> me on it sure 
<laughs> no, that's good. And uh, behind me, there's a picture. You, I guess, at McCoy, sitting out yeah. the uh, window, not falling out. But um, last year... Much to the chagrin of OSHA. So. <laughs> yeah, last year was certainly interesting. And right here in Vermont, the Vermont Lake Monsters, even the Mountaineers, the, uh, the Woodbat League, um, did not have a season. How disappointing was that for you? What did you learn last year uh, being on hold and not being able to participate? It was tough. It was sad. Uh, and so they ended up using McCoy for the taxi squad. And they did a ton of simulated games, which gave the broadcast team an opportunity to do things, but not not really anything for the you know for the game day guys. Uh, so that was that was tough. That was sad. But you know, I still stayed in touch with the the team. Uh, still very close with you know with with all of them throughout the whole pandemic. I mean, I still I'm still part of the organization because this this pandemic really came at a unique time. See, this was supposed to be our last season as the Pawtucket Red Sox. Right. Uh, we have uh, been given an opportunity to go to Worcester, Massachusetts, which is on the other side of the Blackstone Valley, and become the Worcester Red Sox, a brand new field, Polar Park. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. McCoy Stadium is old. It is. It is. It would have been our 50th season for the Paw Sox. The stadium has been there, uh, I think, over 70 years. Wow. Uh, and the field is immaculate. The stadium, the substructure and stuff, it just, it needed a lot of work. So they tried to make it work with the government, you know, for a new stadium. It just didn't, wasn't in the cards. Worcester had a, a great offer and a great opportunity. So uh, we're excited for the new chapter there. And, uh, you know, it's, so we lost out on that final season for the fans. I mean, the, the day the tickets went on sale for the 2020 season, long before the pandemic, the last game was sold out within hmm. minutes and games leading up to that because uh it's a fun family time so yeah. uh i don't know what the future holds as far as will there be a send-off you know will the new stadium be done they're moving right right along uh, at great pace i mean they're really doing a great job so it, it there's so many variables it'll be up in the air but uh so that was kind of, uh, you know, very sad. I actually did a, I wrote a speech in the beginning of the season and we launched it on what was minor league opening day talking about, you know, the fact that the stadium was empty and the fact that, you know, this is what we need to do right now to keep everybody safe, to get a hold of the virus, to support the doctors and nurses, the first responders who are out there, uh, you know, trying to on the on the front lines and the, the scientists who were doing the research at the various pharmaceutical companies. So that went uh semi-viral through the paw socks and through other fields and we 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 just kind of did this and i recorded it actually at the stadium hmm. an empty stadium uh and it just had this really like it was uh i forget what dr charles steinberg the the team president the uh the 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 team champ i forget what the word he said but it was like hauntingly comforting hmm. uh because it was eerie with the emptiness of the stadium and the echo and we could have i mean you, you know we could have done that through i could have just read it into my mic here in my studio and we could have thrown it through any of the various products out there and through echo and stadium sound and boomify and all that other thing but we myself joe jacobs tom uh Quidadamo, tq we said no this is going to be done in the stadium so we did it safely uh in the stadium just put a a a microphone and a recorder out there and just 
let it fly. And I read through it, uh, twice and, you know, they used the, the cuts and, um, but the team learned one of the things that the team learned, uh, was this dining on the diamond thing, which was, uh, which was pretty crazy. So they, what they did is they, uh, made it where they had at the end, I think up to a hundred people at a time, the tables on the outfield dining and they had like well, highlights from past seasons playing yeah you ate ballpark food uh and they they stepped up the fair but you you went there and it was you know you could play catch hmm. on the field you know they they had either two or three seatings uh on the weekends and stuff and they were able to do that in between the taxi squad and everything and it was it was a cool final experience you know for for the for for people who wanted to get over there and uh, so that was something different that they they created. The, uh, it was the Paw Sox, the team there, uh, the full-time staff that created it. And they're doing it in other places. I think they're doing it where they f- actually filmed uh, the Field of Dreams. Sure, sure. I think that's, uh, I forget where it is, uh, Illinois somewhere or somewhere Midwest. And they actually started doing it there uh, using the model that they had set up at McCoy. So uh, a good team, good team, the Paw Sox, the, uh, meaning the front office staff. So it was, that was their their efforts. Yeah, making the most of uh, whatever opportunity uh, comes our way. Um, I remember going to uh, McCoy and my brother who lives uh, South Shore, Boston, he took us and uh, 22 innings. Is that right? Or the longest, uh, most inning game? 23. So 33, 33, 33, 33. So if you were calling that game, is that something you would like to put on your resume or are you glad that somebody else has that dubious honor? Well, it depends. If you ask the question around inning number 19, 20, 21, <laughs> probably not so much. Uh, but I don't know if you know the actually how it ended. They they so they played the game and there's there's great uh documentaries and stuff online about it, some they released this year. Uh but they there were more people at there at the stadium at three o'clock in the morning the next day, which was Easter Sunday, than there were at ten o'clock the night before. And a lot of, I mean, this is 1981. You didn't have cell phones. A lot of wives were very upset. Like, my husband, he hasn't gone out when he go out drinking. He go out on a night on the town. You know, who, and, and even, I think even the, uh, the, the priest from the local uh, di- uh, Catholic church, like, called up and said, you're going to kill my Easter Sunday service if you guys don't shut this town, please. So they, they and they were burning bats. It was so cold. They were burning bats in a barrel to keep warm in the dugout to keep the, uh, the, the, the pine tar warm. Uh, you know, it was just like, it, it was the craziest thing. And then, so they, they picked it back up. They finally got a hold of minor league, uh, officers and said, okay, you can, you can call it. They picked it up again in June and it was half an inning and it was over. Wow. wow. <laughs> the place was sold out. I mean, they had a world, I mean, they, they had attention from all over the world. They had cameras and reporters there for something that was like, like an inning, not even it's like done. Okay. <laughs> but that was against the, uh, the, I believe it was the Rochester uh, Red Wings. Uh, if I if memory serves correct, uh, there's a lot of factors there. there's so much knowledge in baseball and I'm just, I'm, I'm horrible to remember all of it. I think I told you beforehand, if I'm like the anchor man, if you put it on the page in front of me, I will say it. So, well, there you go. Hey, uh, Ben DeCastro makes up time. You can find him on Instagram, Twitter. He also has his own YouTube channel. So check that out. Uh, when you think about, or when I think about partially because I grew up in Vermont, we don't have professional athletes that come out of this state. Uh, can you just talk about the truth when people say, Hey, they're just like me. They put on their pants one leg at a time. 
when you interacted with some of the players or especially the Red Sox that came down to rehab, what was your experience with those pro guys? So by and large, the guys that I got to meet were, were so down to earth and I'm 39 years old. I'll be 40 this year. So really the past couple of years being there, um, you know, I'm, I'm old compared to a lot of these kids and they are like I was when I was in my early twenties, they are just, they're, they are just down to earth guys. I've struck up quite a friendship with, uh, Josh Akami. Uh, keep your, keep your eye out on this kid. He was, he came up through the system. He is back with the Red Sox. Uh, he resigned. I just talked to him the other day. Uh, I did an interview with him. I have a web series called carpooling and I did an interview with him actually at the beginning of the season when it was still, when we didn't know anything. Um, he is, the most down to earth, uh, smart young man I've ever met, uh, before he, cause he was on the taxi squad and before he left, he called me, he said, Hey, I got to leave at noon. Can I meet you for breakfast? Let's go. So we met for breakfast, uh, here in Rhode Island. And he is just, you know, he's, he, he talks to these guys and, and, you know, they, they're just, you know, the other players and they're just, they're so cool. They're so down to earth. They're so nice. You know, they love the sport. They love the game. They're working hard. They want to, they realize the opportunity that they have uh, ahead of them, especially being in AAA and, and, you know, coming up and through the system. Uh, So, you know, they've been great. You know, I've met a number of the other big names. Again, I mean, the thing that I will say, though, is so many of them thank me. And thank the staff there, not just me. That's like, I mean, what do I do? I say, I said your name. Anybody can do that. But they're like, hey, thanks so much for, you know, for your support. You know, they, they're so appreciative. They really are. They, they have, they're not divas. Uh, and even the big stars, you know, because they get it. I mean, especially in the minor leagues, I, you think about like there's yeah, there's AHL and NHL when it comes to hockey. They, they have what's the main red claws for the basketball yeah, yeah. side of things for, but really, you know, you're talking about, you know, some of the teams, unfortunately, that, you know, they have some switch ups up there in Vermont. But you, you're talking about single A, double A, where it's it's the fun of the, the atmosphere. And, the, and they, those guys realize that they're getting paid to play a game and they are they're just appreciative of of these opportunities and stuff. And, you know, I've just I've had a ton of fun with these guys. They're, they're super nice. They, they, they couldn't be nicer. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're just they're really great, great humans and, and, you know, wonderful, wonderful people. What walk up song would you choose when you would uh, go up to bat for yourself? Uh, uh, spice girls. Uh, if you want to be my lover, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. It's funny. Cause, uh, you have a picture of me right behind you, right there. Cat country. I was on this morning. I fill in on cat country radio here, WCTK in Providence, Rhode Island. And, uh, God's country by Blake Shelton, uh, was Tanner hooks, uh, walk up song. Well, he was a pitcher. So when he would come out as a closer, they would play that song. And uh, Jeff, I'll tell you, we pushed every speaker in McCoy Stadium to the extreme. I mean, <laughs> rattling like that. I found a lot of, that whole thing, like just cranked it. I mean, the neighborhood must have loved us. Um, they, they must have thought it was the second coming. The uh, it was so loud, but that song really there. It's just it was just such a such a powerful thing. I don't know. I mean, we had guys have songs like that were we had guys uh, walking on sunshine. 
um you know the uh, that poppy kind of song i might go with the a ska song or something because i'm a big ska fan maybe chumbawamba because i yeah okay. i thought i always thought that band was hilarious but uh yeah it's um either that or benny and the jets by elton john i mean you might have to hit that hook there you know, you never know so we could have fun with that so hopefully there is a season the vaccines work and everything uh gets distributed as it should be or hopefully will be what type of atmosphere will the fan feel now that the Paw Sox are moving from Rhode Island to Worcester? So it's going to be it's going to be an experience similar to what they had at McCoy Stadium, and I firmly believe that because you know the the staff, the 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 leadership at within the Paw Sox Woo Sox organization. Um, firmly believe this one factor they can't control what happens on the field during the game they can't control if the team wins or loses but they can control every element from when you pull into the parking lot to when your ticket is taken to when you find your seat when you're greeted by the ushers when you ask a question whether it's in between innings or whatnot and you know that is something that they they take very seriously uh your your fan experience there is is huge and uh, one of the, one of the things that I often would share with people there and it, it gets shared from time to time is, and it was a lesson I learned many years ago when I was, you know, 15, 16, I started working on a dinner dance boat. And one of my first summers there is out of Warren, Rhode Island, we're, we're right on the water. And one of the captains said, look, a family of five or six will come on here and spend a couple hundred dollars between having the ride to Newport, getting off the boat, buying a souvenir, coming back on the boat, taking the ride back and everything. That might be their Disney vacation. Yeah. So you have to deliver a Disney like experience or, you know, some other pick your name, your resort. I can honestly say that the team on in the stands, the front office, those people, the ushers, you know, even the concession stands, everybody, they work to deliver that experience each and every time. Moving up the road to Worcester is going to offer you a bit of a different experience, but it's going to be a beautiful experience. World-class uh, ballpark designer Janet Marie Smith uh, is the one who's designed this park. It yeah. looks incredible. Uh, I mean, she's the one who redid Camden Yard. She's the one who did Dodger Stadium. She's the one who did uh, upgrades over at Fenway Park. I mean, she is legend. I mean, she's just an absolute legend. I'm. I get to work with her son, and 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 it just it, it's funny because he's so he's such a he's down to earth, and he just has no like idea of like no ego to him at all. <laughs> so he's so cool and down to earth. Bart uh, Smitty, they call him, but just uh, such a nice kid, and so. It's going to be a fun experience. It's going to be a wonderful experience. It's going to pay tribute to that area. And so, Ben, I first heard about you or met you uh, from the Why God Why podcast. We have a mutual friend, uh, Peter Engler, who uh, co-hosts that program. He actually is your brother-in-law, I understand. Right. And on a yep. recent podcast, they interviewed your sister, who she shared that she's three years older than Peter. When you first met Pete... That's what my sister-in-law. Yes. What What were your thoughts when uh, you knew that they were going to get married, and that was, um, you know, your first introductions to uh, to Peter? So, the the way our story, my wife and I, our story goes is we met through Facebook, and she was living in Springfield, Missouri at the time, 
we were talking the first night we talked, we talked for almost four hours. And I said to her about three quarters of the way through, I said, all right, when's the next time you're going to be closer to the East coast? And she said, well, my brother's getting married in Rochester in, uh, October. Yeah. October. Yeah. The Red Sox were getting close to the, uh, the series there. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I'll, I'll be there then. I said, well, do you need a date for the wedding? She goes, all right. So she was, you're going to drive there. I said, sure. So she ended up coming in, uh, the Labor Day weekend, uh, to Rhode Island. She's like, ah, maybe, maybe we should meet without my parents and, and everybody first. Uh, so at Peter's, uh, Peter's wedding is actually when I met everybody in his family. Uh, and it was funny because I had told Susan that I was going to leave Rhode Island at around four 30 in the morning. Uh, cause I had a big, big event the day before i was gonna leave around 4 30 in the morning drive straight through and it would have put me there around noon one o'clock the wedding was that four so uh, it would have worked out i just uh i just drank a ton of coffee popped a couple no dose pills and went for it i don't recommend doing that uh <laughs> and i actually walked into the hotel she had no idea i was there because she had sent me like a text message of like hey are you awake at six o'clock and i said yeah i'm on the road and she thought i was late uh, I walked in and I actually sat at a table across from her father. I said, Hey, how you doing? He goes, good. Do I know you? I said, yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy your daughter is bringing to the wedding. And that was, uh, that was great. It was a good time. But so I met Peter then I met obviously his, uh, his wife, Robin, uh, at that time and her family, sweet, sweet people. And, uh, that was, that was fun. It was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting time. So I asked this carefully, but kind of in jest, I uh, know that you have a good sense of humor and uh, so does Peter. Uh, knowing that his wife is like a counselor or is that tough to have in the family that you always feel like she's analyzing, sister-in-law analyzing how you do things or why you do things? Um, so I love Robin dearly. She's she's super sweet. Um, and so I sometimes she just like when i the the few times when we talk like when we're obviously when we go to visit and whatnot and stuff and uh and, and if i bring up concepts or ideas or i say things she's just like oh oh okay all right oh, okay mm, okay and she's i can i know she's analyzing and and i just i just try to i try to make it as awkward for her as possible like as you I, should. Won't, I won't even hug her i'll be like um handshake no a uh, little little lean in like hey hi how are you it, like it just makes her feel so awkward because she it's there's no connection between us except her husband and my wife like their brother it's like so we're like the furthest you can be apart and it's just like i and it's fun to try to make it awkward for her and and it's uh it, it's it's it is what it is but she is uh I, I will say this she is probably one of the most uh you know one of the smartest people i've met when it comes to you know mental health she is brilliant she is uh world renowned I mean, she really is she does a great job she's really got a great talent for it Hey, so behind me, I just put up a uh, picture of your YouTube channel. You talked about uh, the episodes, I said, I guess, that you have yeah. with different people in the, the vehicles. First of all, do you ever get nervous that you're going to get pulled over for filming while you're also driving? So last year, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Live PD, uh, but they actually have filmed in Rhode Island. <laughs> and the guy who was one of the best men in my wedding is Officer, well, Inspector Craig Sroka, 
and he's been featured on live PD. He's been on the show a number of times. They followed him and everything. And I was doing an interview in East Providence, Rhode Island, where he works. I was interviewing the head of the boys and girls club in East Providence going through. We're doing the interview. And then about towards the end of the interview, I get a message on my phone. It says, call me. So I finished the interview. So I'm driving home. I put him on the Bluetooth. I said, Hey, what's up? He goes, are you driving around town? I said, yeah, I did an interview. He goes, yeah, a detective was following you for a little while, unmarked cruiser and called in my license plate over the radio and said, you know, called it in and Craig heard that. Oh, that comes back to, uh, uh, you know, Benjamin DeCastro out of Warren, blah, blah, blah. And Craig called that officer and said, what's going on? He goes, and the, the, the detective goes, he goes, have you seen his car? It's like a spaceship. <laughs> and, 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 and Craig goes, have you seen a show? It's all over the you. It's all over the internet. And so I put a bunch of GoPro cameras, the little cube ones, uh, in in the car, and and so it is all legal. And I've had guys. Uh, I, I ran it by. I had it uh, checked out by my local PD here, and you know there was nothing. You know nothing uh, that was uh, would be a violation with those cameras there. And a lot of times I find like a small loop that I can drive around. So if you watch the episode, you'll see the same house like maybe. 10 times i uh, just drive a slow loop to keep the audio down keep it smooth don't have to worry about merging too much that's a pro right there pro move pro move uh so ben DeCastro makes up time thanks again for uh doing so uh who do you like to listen to or do you listen to anybody whether you're taking notes on calling games or just want some wit humor to add things uh, into do you like to listen to other people I do. I, I really I love listening to uh, various podcasts and stuff. Obviously, I, I try to you know listen to games uh, that are on TV. You don't necessarily always hear the PA announcer, but I try to listen intently because I want to hear what's coming over through that. So I, there there are you know people that I do like to uh, listen to. There's a lot of groups on Facebook. You know whether it be play by play or sports broadcasters. Uh, John Rook, who is the stadium voice for the new england patriots uh he's a, he's a friend of mine i he does a great job so it, it's about learning all that stuff and uh you know so just trying to do that but uh, you know a lot of it too goes back to uh, uh studying just presentation i guess to a degree through a friend of mine jonathan lee iverson i was in ringling brother circus when i was younger i played keyboards in there for a short time uh and uh Jonathan Lee Iverson was the ringmaster and he was the final one that they had before they closed the circus down and his presentation skills and his, you know, his way of like just holding yourself. There's, there's a lot you can do there. And even though people don't see me, they hear me, but you have to smile. You have to like, you know, really give the presentation. I use my hands. I'm Italian. I have, if I'm not using my hands when I'm talking, it comes through in the audio side of things. So there's, yeah. there's elements to that. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's uh, it's, it's, it's that same thing. If you're not like people can hear those things through, uh, through the microphone and through the speakers. So that's, uh, that's, that's something I take very seriously and try to, you know, keep that at the forefront of my mind. Now, if you would, share with us a little bit about baseball. It can be a slow sport. I love having baseball on the radio in the background during the summer months because when you want to hear something exciting, you can hear it, then you can turn on the TV, and you know with that delay, you can watch it live or uh, you know, after that seven seconds. But do you have do you get bored? Like, how do you stay engaged 
uh, from inning to inning? I mean, I know that there's a lot of behind the scenes, but how do you personally stay engaged with what's taking place, especially if you get into a 33 inning game? Uh, and you're asking that to a person who is ADHD big time, <laughs> like legit diagnosis. Okay. Uh, you don't believe me. Here's my Adderall. Um, so I, um, it's like anything else and, and having ADHD and I talk about this from time to time is, is all about finding your strengths. Uh, pre-game stuff is loaded with, with so much happening and I'm good. I can, you know, because if things are changing, things are moving, but when you start getting into the crux of the game, I'll throw it back again to the circus. Uh, if and knowing all the band people, my buddy Brett Barlow, who's the conductor for many years, excuse me, he, um, if you watch the band during the show, because they would play, Ringling Brothers would play the same show nine times, uh, excuse me, 15 times a weekend at times. Yeah. So it was like, it, it was a lot of the same thing over and over and over and over again. And you, you find ways to keep yourself entertained, different things you can do. And so myself, uh, you know, the guys up in the press box, once we got through the, you know, the pregame ceremonies and we got into the crux of the game, you know, we started having fun with, you know, the songs you could pick out and, you know, and, and the whole, you know, the, the elements of different things and you find different, uh, ways to, to entertain yourself up there and, uh, you know, just, just do different things and have fun with it. So you find these little ways to, to stay engaged, but you're right. When it starts getting later into the game, when you have a rain delay, when it's like 11 o'clock and you're dog tired because uh, this is might be breaking news to your audience there, Mr. Fuller. Uh, being a PA announcer does not pay a six-figure salary. Uh, it barely pays a five. Uh, not even five. Uh, it is, it is uh, something that you do for fun, so you have some fun with it. So you, a lot of times you're working a job during the day. So you find ways to stay engaged and stay involved. Uh, but there's, you know, they got a great coffee machine up there. Uh, they feed you well. They keep you, they keep the blood sugar up. They usually bring cookies up around the seventh inning. And it's like, okay, I need one of those to kind of give yourself the jolts. Cause uh, it's, but uh, you have fun. And to be honest with you, I, I love the fact that we do a lot of fun things during the game in between the innings. That's what you look forward to. That's where you have the fun um with the with the fans and stuff and i and i used to tell people all the time look you want to come visit me during a during a game just either send me a message or you know and when you come right, up right. the press box on the last room on the left just come in and say if so long as i'm not talking come in and say hi and that was always fun to give people that experience and to kind of be the ambassador for a fun night because those are the memories you make so uh, keeping that in the fourth in the background of the mind is uh, it helps, but yeah, it's just you find things to do and, and yeah. can make contemplations about sitting out the window there, high a perch, and it's like, and that was our last game that we played at McCoy. It was the last day, and there was a photog on the field. Uh, Kate, oh, I forget her last name. Uh, anyway, uh, she was on the field, and I I told. Uh, joe uh jacobs who was the director of uh, paw Sox productions and uh stuff i said i said hey call her up on the radio and tell her that she has you know they have one of those mega lenses i said sure. direct it up here i'm gonna i'm gonna sit out the window i, I want to just and uh, and she did she was great uh, kate fouts fouts kate uh kate fouts she was the photographer who did that and uh it was it was funny it, and, and look i i had no idea that was going to be our last game you know at mccoy yeah. you know 
because that was the end of the season. Yeah, I, I still thought we had another season. I have video that I was planning to shoot during that last season to document because I love creating stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's like you, it's, it's always, it's finding something different. So, but yeah, yeah a lot of fun again, Ben DeCastro Instagram is big Ben underscore four Oh one big Ben underscore four Oh one and Twitter is Ben DeCastro underscore four Oh one. Yeah. I had the privilege of uh, meeting Joe Castiglione a couple of times and it was great. Oh, wow. He would say, he would say, you know, I have probably, two and a half minutes if you want to just come in and say hi and it was just uh fun and a great experience but creating moments for people is so uh special and it's so needed um one moment that i i just think of and i'm nowhere near uh what you do even though you collect a five-figure uh you know paycheck or <laughs> whatever the case might be Four, four. If I'm lucky, uh, if I work enough games, it's four. I just add the decimal points, right? So, right. um, but it seems as though whenever the microphone would be on when I was at the radio station, I still thought I could get that last bite in, but then I still had to chew or swallow and have that moment. Did you ever get caught with your mouth full or uh, with a side conversation and somebody's telling you that you're alive, that your your turn is on? So here's the deal. Um, the the Star Spangled Banner. I can tell you, by the time they say, say, I can tell you if I have enough time to hit the bathroom or not. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to the United States of America, the country, the land of the free and the home of the brave. But after doing over an hour and a half of pregame, keeping the vocal cords, you know, hydrated and everything on hot days. Yeah eating before that and then getting into the game because really my only chance that I get to go to the, the bathroom is during the seventh inning because I don't have to do anything during the seventh inning stretch. It literally goes to a video and I can go to the bathroom. I would have, sometimes I would, I would, I would employ an intern to say, go stand by the bathroom and block it. Yeah, because as soon as I say, ladies and gentlemen, please rise and remove your hats here to perform. Our national anthem is so and so from so and so. As soon as I turn off that mic, I am I am beelining it to the bathroom and I'm listening to that. Oh, say <laughs> it was one time where I heard. Oh, say can you? I'm like, oh, come on. I've got to <laughs> go here. I'm dying. I couldn't. I couldn't. I wasn't going to make it because you got to get back. And and if the pitcher throws down you're going yeah and it's not like okay there's a new batter i just called him out he could pop fly out he could get hit by a pitch and he's on base like there's no like timing here they don't take tv times out in triple a ball so uh it's like you you you, you keep on going keep on moving keep that train going so that was uh i never got caught with the food thing or the you know or the 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 you know trying to get that last bit of of water in I, i've i've been fortunate there but the bathroom that is a uh that is another another side of it that's a real sure. thing hey uh ben DeCastro, youtube ben DeCastro, subscribe to the youtube channel right there ben DeCastro, you can find that uh easy enough ben for uh some younger students uh i coach at the high school and just help out where i can and there's some kids that they just want to be on you know espn or just be the color guy for a professional team you mentioned a couple of times how you do it because you love it. It's fun. It's just a good time. What advice would you give about expectations to that sophomore in high school? 
there you have an iPhone. You the the video that I've created that has the most views uh, was shot with an iPhone. Okay, uh, I have okay camera equipment. You know, DSLR, a couple different things that I do that I with the work that I do. But everybody has this phone in their pocket, and you can make the content. You can set it up, and the goal is to you know grab your YouTube channel, grab all this stuff, start going now. It's going to take work. You can't just throw things up and expect it to go. The viral things that happen in life, those are that's catching lightning in a bottle. You're lucky if you do it once. Uh, but the other stuff that you can see up there, and my bigger platform is Facebook. You can see by some of the views there, some of the views like the COVID Christmas one that you see right there, that's got 25,000 yeah, views. Yeah. But there are other ones there that, you know, it's got 17 views, 45 views. You know, it, 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 it's a wide range there. Sure having the multiple platforms the key is consistency and doing it and making sure that you you because once you upload it it's done you can't go back and re change something uh or else if you take it down you lose all those views so that's you know from the from the from the performance side of things that's one thing as far as people who want to get into professional sports as a career uh, i will say this never underestimate the entry point of sales uh, whether it be ticket sales or, you know, corporate sponsorship sales, because that is going to introduce you to so many people and introduce you through so many or parts of the organization. And then the other thing I'll tell you is read every script you can. Yeah. A month before we get back to baseball, I start in the car when I'm driving, I start reading signs and billboards out loud, sight reading them. Yeah, I can practice the script. I can hold it up here and I, I know how to say the, the opening lines. But every now and then before you, you know, and I can pre-read the script all you want, but something changes and they're like, hey, you got to there you go. Just read this or they send it to me on the computer and I either a have to self-edit it. It was written by somebody who didn't write it for. There's a difference. There's, there's writing for something to be read you know, in your mind, like quietly as you read with your eyes. And there are things that are meant to be spoken, written to be spoken. And sometimes people who are writing it don't, they don't even say it out loud. And I would ask them, like, did you say this? Did you try this? Because it just, it doesn't sound right. So you have to edit on the fly. My whole thing was training myself and getting better at that whole, like, you know, sight reading quickly and, and, and as crazy as that sounds, there is, it takes work, it takes practice. So whether it be it's a script that you download from online or whatever, put yourself in front of the camera, play the game. Um, John Rook, who teaches at Dean College, he actually teaches uh, broadcasting play-by-play. -play. Yeah. And there will be games in the summertime at McCoy or now up at Polar Park where we have tables set up on the top of the concourse, the top high level. And he just sets up a bunch of audio recorders and the mm -hmm. headphone things. He's got all his students there practicing. Okay. And they go through and they analyze. Okay. Well, you had some down stuff here. Start doing that now. Start putting that stuff up there. Connect with these guys. These, these people who are, uh, you know, whether they be broadcasters, find the groups on, on social media, on Facebook or whatever, and, and learn from them. There are more resources out there now than ever. The key is you've got to do it. You've actually got to put the work in. It's called craft. It's called putting the time in. It's just what you do. You know, this, I don't know what number interview this is for you, but you're very good at it. It, it I'm, I would have money on the fact that your first one didn't go as smoothly as this one there was i mean my first game i was like uh, you know it was i was all over the place uh bogusevic was a, a player and i kept on calling him 
Bogazovich, uh, because it was just he's like they're like no, it's, it's it was an Armenian name. You got to say all the letters. Um, kept on making them, you know, German Bogazovich, whatever. Uh, but you you have to you have to do it. You have to get in there. You have to make the mistakes. You have to to work on it. So the earlier you do that, the more you get that stuff out there. That's how it, that's how it grows. Yeah, I remember when I was on radio that uh, my boss, Ken Squire at the time, uh, NASCAR fame, he said, read more out loud to my children who 12 years ago, they were young. And that just helped because so many times as an adult, you just read in your head, nothing's out loud, and it just helps develop that craft. Uh, As we let you go, I have a question that I stole from Hernando Planos, the Be Contagious podcast. Make sure you check that out. Two-part question. Maybe for you, it'll be a three-part question. If or when, when the feature film is made about your life, who plays you in that feature film? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, It's going to have to be somebody wiry, somebody kind of hyper, somebody kind of all over the place. Uh, I mean, maybe Johnny Depp. There you Um, go. That's good. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe Johnny Depp or Johnny Knoxville, one of the two. (laughs) And I always share with people that uh, because we look so much alike, I choose Dwayne The Rock Johnson to play me in that feature film. But uh, Yeah, I mean, you and him walk into a bar or a restaurant, they're thinking you're twins. Exactly. Uh, The second part to that question is, who plays your love interest in that feature film? Gwen Stefani. All right. And then finally, for you and you alone, who plays your brother-in-law, Peter Engler, in that feature film about your life? It's going to have to be a Boston actor. You know, it's probably going to have to be Ben Affleck. That that yeah. works. Because Peter Engler is such a... Peter Engler, I don't know if you know this. He's a huge Boston fan. He loves all Boston sports. You know, he is huge on the Patriots. Loves the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, Celtics. <laughs> Bruins. I mean, he is... There's nothing New York about that kid at all. Yeah. Uh, we we got <laughs> to pray for that guy. We got to pray for him. You know, uh, sins can be forgiven. Sins can be forgiven. Hey, Ben, thanks so much for making the time. It's a pleasure. And uh, we'll get you back on. Hopefully there'll be a season. But even before that, we'll try to reconnect. Hey, I hope you uh, if we do have a season, Jeff, I hope you're able to come down and uh, join me in the uh, press box for a little while and, and hang out. And uh, this is this is great, folks. Subscribe and more importantly, rate this guy's podcast. Nothing short of five stars. Hey, if I come down, I'll be your bathroom blocker so you can get Please, in uh, during I, that I time. That. He's good. Come on. The urinal. Urinal number two. It's open for you. Go, go, go. All right, Ben. Hey, take care. Thanks so much. And again, that's Ben DeCastro. You can find him Instagram, Big Ben underscore 401. Big Ben underscore 401. Twitter is Ben DeCastro underscore 401. And YouTube is just Ben DeCastro. Again, my name is Jeff Fuller. You're listening to Jay Fuller Interviews. Subscribe on YouTube, Jay Fuller Interviews. The Facebook group, Jay Fuller Interviews. Instagram and Twitter, Jay Fuller Interviews. And now the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews on Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, wherever you take the time and make the time to listen and join in. Thanks all. Wish you all the best and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.